Howdy, and welcome to Old, New, Borrowed, and Blues, a podcast about songwriting. I'm your host, Jack Summers. Each month, I'm joined by a songwriter to chat about their process, inspirations, and life making music. Along the way, they play four songs, an old song, a new song, a cover song, and the saddest song they've ever written. This month's guest is Chris Nichols, a singer-songwriter originally from Glenville, Illinois. I once heard Chris describe the following way. There's another universe where Chris Nichols is a superstar and James Taylor plays the open mic at the Rhino on Tuesday nights. I think that's the best way to put it. Chris has honed his craft of songwriting as well as anyone you'll ever meet. And he's also one of the kindest people you'll ever find. So it's an honor to sit down with him and chat about his decades long journey making music. Wherever you are, I want to be close to you To reach out and find you in my arms You'll always be a part of me here in my heart dream of you, though you are far away. Don't let the miles keep us apart. Remember me, I want to be That was Chris Nichols with an old song called Wherever You Are. Chris, welcome to the old, new Bard and Blues podcast. It's good to see you again, Jack. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, so we usually start with songwriting beginnings on this show. So uh, what made you start writing songs and, and where did it all come from? I was always listening to music as a kid because my mom was always listening to music. 
Um, and um, I think by the time I was seven or eight years old, I probably had my first transistor radio. And um, she, you know, she listened to the crooners um, who were playing, you know, some of the great writers in American song history. Um, and uh, so it was a real, it, to me, it was an education. She was listening to the, the singers, I was listening to the writers, I think. But, uh, um, and uh, she'd dance me around the living room on her toes uh, um, while, uh, while I got to listen to all that bu great music. And I remember one day uh, I was out in the yard, and I, it, must, it must have been listening to my radio, uh, my red transistor radio out in the front yard. And I heard a song, uh, I can't remember whether it was Johnny Cash's version, but it was a song by Curly Putnam called The Green, Green Grass of Home. And, you know, I was, I was you know, at night I'm watching Rod Serling's Twilight Zone, and I loved, I loved stories, I read a lot. But there, you know, on that transistor radio, Curly Putnam in, in, in three minutes told this story. And it starts out, you know, the green, green grass of home. You had a guy coming home on a train, and it's a beautiful story of an idyllic town. And, in the, of course, in the last verse, you find out that he's actually in a prison cell waiting to be hung. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I thought, wow, <laughs> you know, that's incredible. You know, that's a Twilight Zone episode in three minutes, you know. Um, and uh, I decided I wanted to write songs. And, and it just so happened that was about... You know, that was in the early 60s. The Beatles had, had just come. I mean, I was, you know, and I was, that was among the things I was listening to. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I went out and bought a guitar, um, a silver tone. My first was a silver tone electric guitar. It had the amplifier, bought it at Sears, and it had the amplifier in the case. Um, and uh, a little tiny amplifier in the case, I remember. And I, I quickly, within a year, I think, I traded that for my first acoustic. And, um, but... Uh, by the time I was 13, I think I was writing songs. And, uh, well, by the time, I, actually, I think I started about 12. I was, and I started writing songs. I didn't really have much to write about, so mm -hmm. I was just taking poems out of my mom's poetry books and um, putting them to music <laughs> with, the, you know, whatever, the five chords I knew. And uh, eventually started writing some lyrics. Um, I, I think, you know, the first time I became infatuated with a, a girl was... Uh, I was 13 years old, and I finally had something to write about. Right, yeah. So there I was, writing a song. Yeah, and, and what, a, what a great time to, to come up as a musician and to come up as a songwriter with, with all of that music coming out. It really was. Especially, I felt, you know, the, the stuff I was listening to, you know, while I was dancing around on my mom's toes, was, was it, you know, was a great uh, underpinning for all of that. And it was probably a lot of the same stuff they were listening to, you know, right, as they yeah. were growing up. But, uh yeah, the Great American Song Catalog. You know, and that's why, you know, I write some fairly corny songs. I, I wouldn't say corny, but I, I would I can catch the uh, the crooner influence in, in yeah, what you do. Probably. I, some I of them even have introductions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you when you wrote these songs, uh, were you sharing them with people right away with, with the girl you were infatuated with? Um yeah, about that time I um I was sitting in science class in middle school, in eighth grade, and uh, um, there was a guy sitting in front of me, um, Dan Matthews, who, who was uh, part of a band that some guys were putting together for what they called class day at the end of the year. And uh, he started singing a monkey's song. And um, I piped in with a harmony, and he turned around and said, hey, <laughs> you want to join a band? I, you know, he thought I had a better voice than he did and wanted me to be the singer. 
So yeah, there I was. The you know, um, the next week I was the world's worst front man for, for a rock <laughs> band, and uh, um, I couldn't wait to get a guitar in my hands. So I felt like I had something to do, you know, other than just stand there at the microphone. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, I, 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 we started writing for a band when we were pretty young. I can remember uh, we were doing some of our own material when Get Back came out. So uh, you oh, know, whatever yeah. year that was, um, and we couldn't wait to learn "Get Back," you know, because <laughs> most of our most of our repertoire was was covers. Yeah. So where where did you play with this band? Where did the songs take you? We uh, we made most of our money playing uh, private parties. Um, back in the early seventies, we were making um, fifteen hundred dollars. A five five man band. Um, Making fifteen hundred dollars at private parties around the North Shore of Chicago, um, and uh, um, it, it was good money. And uh, the other thing we did was we played uh, ground round restaurants. Mm. It was a whole, you know, it, it was a franchise, and we played every one that was anywhere near Chicago. <laughs> we we played eventually. We just they booked us in one after another. Um, that was. That was where we made our money, but we, we had our fun mostly in the basement, like most yeah. bands. You know. <laughs> Are you originally from Chicago? Uh, yeah, I, from, I grew up in Glenview, Illinois, north of Chicago. So uh, did this music like take you to the city? And, and It did. I, the first time I, um, I, I played in the city was a, a, a pretty famous place called the Earl of Old Town. And um, um, Earl and I eventually became friends, in fact. But, uh, um, I, a, a, a friend's father drove us down there. I, I think I was 14 at the time. It would have been about 1968, 69. And um, the guy hosting was named Steve Goodman. He was already pretty famous in Chicago. Um, he was known as a good songwriter. Um, but, and Arlo Guthrie hadn't yet covered his uh, city of New Orleans. Oh, so he yeah. wasn't real famous yet. But he was hosting the op an open mic there. And a friend's father dropped his son and I off there. and. Um, and in, he was his name was Dave Reimer, um, and uh, he he was real encouraging of the music, and years later got me an interview with um, um, with Arista Records. Um, Clive Davis had just moved to Arista Records in 1975, and he got me an interview there, and they offered me a job as, on the songwriting staff, which I turned down. <laughs> <laughs> why did, why did you turn it down? I wanted to be you know I wanted to be the singer songwriter. I thought I could wanted I wanted to be the next James Taylor. Or yeah. You know, and, uh, um, so I yeah I turned turned down the offer, but um, it led me to good places. So. Yeah, yeah. So there there was that that dream that it would become a career. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, th I think so. Um, and I, but you know, and I made a, a meager living some weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, um, but uh, and eventually walked into a club in uh, um, in Highland Park, Illinois. And I think I was 25 at the time. Fell head over heels in love with the waitress. Uh, who it, part of the deal was I got a free meal every time I played there. A place called Maggie Murphy's. And uh, um, yeah, fell head over heels in love with the waitress, and uh, yeah. decided I I probably ought to get a real job <laughs> if I was going <laughs> to woo that woman. So, um, but yeah, and uh, before too long, I was uh, I was married and started having babies and kept writing songs, but uh, but there was probably a, a period when I wasn't playing out, uh, except very rarely, um, mm. for, you know, for 
maybe maybe 10 years. Um, and uh, eventually I started going out to open mics again and uh, met up with a guy named Marlon St. John. Uh, Marlon and I got invited to perform at almost any venue that we played at, at an open mic at. Yeah. And it pretty, the next thing you knew, we were uh, we were playing out every weekend in Chicago. Um, and we we did that for, you know, 10 years at least. But, uh, um, I, I think Marlon told me at one time we'd played uh, about 75 different venues in Chicago. Wow, yeah. So, so what brought you from Chicago to Kansas City? Um, I was tired of doing the work I was doing. I was uh, 60 years old, um, and almost 60, or no, almost 61, I think. And, and uh, I was just tired of doing the work I was doing, and uh, decided I wanted to move. One of my sons had moved here to Kansas City uh, to work for the uh, Social Security Department, and we decided to follow him here. Here we are still. He's moved. Uh, he's moved on to Colorado. Yeah, and we're still here. How yeah. has the how has the music scene compare uh, between the two places? The music scene is wonderful here. Yeah, um, it really is, um, and uh, it's been really warm and, and embracing to me. It, uh, I've found no shortage of venues to play. Before the pandemic, I was playing uh, uh, weekly at the uh, Serenity Cafe in Raytown. And uh, my friend Rebecca um, runs that, and uh, um, uh, I may be going back there again. She's managed to get through the pandemic, and hopefully, will awesome. keep prospering. But uh, yeah, uh, so let's let's circle back to the the song you just played. Uh, wherever you are, uh, where does that song come from in your life, and why did you choose to play it for me? Oh, it was uh, it was a song written about an old girlfriend. You know, um, in uh, somebody, I, I think at the time we were drifting apart, and uh, somebody I stayed friends with for her entire life. Yeah. But, it, um, it it was beautiful, um, and, and thank you for for playing. Uh, so, how how old is this song? Uh, it's. Uh, Probably more than 45 years old. I think it has potential to be the oldest song yet on this podcast. So, <laughs> so congratulations there. Um, so uh, where, where are you headed with, with your music? Um, where, where do you see it going? Oh, I, you know, I, I just enjoy writing. I, I, just, I, I couldn't stop if I wanted to. I, I've written songs in my sleep. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, I, I, uh, whenever I drive, my wife and I visit national parks all over the country and do a lot of driving. And, uh, my first business was a limousine service. So I've always done a lot of driving. Um, and, uh, I write when I drive. There's just something about the, the friction of the tarmac on the tires that, yeah. that, that just, that, you know, helps me to write. And, um, um. I've written songs full-blown while in the car and then have to go home and figure out the chords. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's like the John Prine story where it's the same old three chords. Yeah. And other times it's, it's not. You know, it's, a, it's a series of jazz chords you know, that I have to figure out you know, because I don't really know those chords. Um, 
So you're just radio off, just singing to yourself in the car? And yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's a strange thing. Unless my wife's in the car, I never listen to music in the car. Really? Uh, yeah, and she's, you know, she's got Pandora on um, when, when she can. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I write best in, in the silence. Um, you know, and I always have. I don't know what it is. But. Yeah, awesome. Um, up next, we have a new song from Chris Nichols called That Way. Every face in life's September But all my days I will remember That way you danced That way you moved When you glanced across the room song from Chris Nichols called That Way. Chris, what has changed since uh, the first song you wrote to That Way? Oh my. Um, well, I'm, uh, I've gone from a, you know, a, a young kid to, uh, to a 68-year-old man. Or I'll be 68 on my next birthday. Um, but uh, I'm married, four kids, three grandkids so far. Um, and 40 years of marriage. Um, so I write a lot of love songs. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, a lot has changed. Um, I'm, you know, I've been really lucky. I've kept my health and kept my voice to a large extent, I think. Right. Uh, you know, I, uh, I didn't stay in the rock band too long, so I was never screaming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, we used to do Tommy and do some, you know, some stuff that was, it was probably, uh, Pretty torturous on the vocals, but uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, and I I just enjoy it so much. Um, I you know when I write a new song, I want to uh, you know get out to a, a, an open mic where I can meet friends and, and share it. Um, and uh, here in Kansas City, I've I've hooked up with so many good 
uh, young songwriters. And when I say young, most of them, I mean, you know, most people are younger than I am, so <laughs> most songwriters are as well. But, uh, um, and uh, just, you know, wonderful musical community. Just wonderful musical community. And so many talented people out there. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. How has your, your songwriting process evolved over the years? You know, I've never really had a singular process. They all come in different ways. Um, some of them just fall down like mana from heaven. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I literally woke up one time. I had just turned 50, I remember. And uh, um, I'd, I'd been with an old friend, and uh, I think the dream related to that. But, but in a dream, I wrote a song, full-blown, and um, woke up and, and sang it into my phone. I had to, you know, this is, you know, years ago, uh, um, and I had to call myself and then leave a message, you know, <laughs> singing the song into it. But, um, like I said, I write a lot of them just driving along, and they just they'll pop into my head um, as I'm driving. Um, usually, that starts with a melody, but sometimes with a poem or with a phrase. Um, uh, I, th I forget who it was, maybe Todd Rundgren, that said that, you know, that if you get the title, you know, that, that's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. Get a good title and then, you know, you're halfway there. But, uh, um, and sometimes it is, you know, it, just a phrase will set me off. Um, and, uh, um, you know, you'll try and write around a, a, a phrase that catches your eye. Or sometimes it's a, it's a little chord change that you like, and you try and find a way to work it into a, a bigger progression. And the next thing you know, you have a progression that's running through your head and, and a melody that attaches itself, you know. Um, and, and then you're hunting for a, you know, to, to write a poem. Yeah. Um, some of them build themselves that way. Uh, it's, uh, but, uh, but I don't have a singular process. And I've, I, I've only worked with other people writing songs a couple of times, so I've never developed a process with anyone else. I've always sought to, to work with Song, uh, was guitarists who are better than I am, mm -hmm. uh, people who can accompany me and, and, and make me sound better um, and, and maybe teach me something along the way. And that's been a slow process, but, but I'm learning. Um, but, uh, um, you know, some people have worked with a lyricist, mm -hmm. um, but I've always written my own lyrics and music. What about uh, themes along the way? Uh, is there, is there something that you feel like runs through a lot of your body of work? Oh, uh, I mean, love. You know, I write love songs. Yeah. Um, the, my other theme is, is, uh, is social action. Um, and, uh, um, I, you know, a, a fairly large percentage of the songs I write are, are about social problems. Right, yeah. Um, I've got a song, Maria, that was just, you know, could have been written right out of the the article that I read about the story, about a woman who came from Guatemala with the only other surviving member of her family, a two-year-old uh, niece. And she was thrown into a cage, Maria was, and her niece was given to a family in New York. Yeah. Because they were Anglo and she wasn't, apparently. Anyway, the, you know, that then that song just came to me in a fit of anger after reading an article. Um, and it's, you know, it's, 
it pounds the guitar. It's strum. Right, you know, yeah. it strums. I'm not picking. You know, <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, they 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 all come a little differently. Um, but most of them are love songs. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess you could argue that the the ones about um, like social change are in like come from a place of love as well even even when they get you angry it, it i like i like to think so yeah um yeah um i uh trying to temper that anger as i get a little older yeah but, yeah um yeah i've always you know i've been an activist since i was a kid you know since marching at the chicago eight trial outside the chicago eight trial really yeah <laughs> i was yeah when i was a kid it was a 14 year old kid in 1968 in the summer and I you know I, I went there because I was infatuated with the older girl who was driving there I, I didn't even <laughs> drive in 1968 you know. but um, but yeah I've always written uh, um, I guess you know you, what you could call protest songs to some degree yeah what's it what's it been like performing those songs over decades of, of change and uh, some not change. Oh, for me, it's it's always an exercise in frustration, and and in the long term, I think it is too. Um, you know, this country is on the verge of fascism. It's it, it, it dipped its toe for four years, and yeah. uh, and, it, and it's threatening to, to dive in, um, and uh, it, it's frightening. It really is. Um, a friend of mine ran a casino for a man who was president for a, a time, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, and it's a frightening thought, knowing what I know. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's frightening. He wasn't hanging around Jeffrey Epstein's townhouse for 18 long years for nothing, right. not because he liked the hors d'oeuvres anyway. Um, and and to think that that you know that a guy who who literally tried to tried to enact a coup against this government, a violent one, right. in which five people died, might be reelected. You know, I might be an expatriate. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I I feel like um, I've I've heard your political songs, your protest songs, your social change songs, and I I very much appreciate them, and I think you do it uh, very well. Oh well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So so what keeps you going uh, to to write new songs? Um, What's what's the driving factor? You know, um, I don't know. The, the the last time I really felt impelled to write a song um, was uh, my wife and I uh, woke up to the news that there'd been a mass shooting in Colorado, where our son is near where our son was had recently relocated. And as we were walking out the door, I said I said to her, "Why do we let this happen?" You know, and of course the answer is money. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, but within, you know, within a short time I had written a song. I think by the time, you know, uh, you know, shortly after I got back, I was finished with it. We were out running out the door to run an errand. Anyway, uh, but I, as as far as you know, melody and 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 song, I I couldn't stop writing if I wanted to. There's been a there's been a stream of music running through my head since I can remember. Yeah. Since I first, you know, climbed on my mama's toes and started dancing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, and and, and it's been nonstop. I, uh, and the only time it stops is when I'm listening to other music. Mm -hmm. 
or talking with someone, you know, um, and, and or involved in other, you know, other activity. But if I'm, and, and I guess that's why I like uh, um, a job, a job or an activity like driving, um, because you can be away to an extent. You right. know, you can your mind can be active, writing music, um, writing poetry, but. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that you uh, share that stream of music with everybody. Um, I uh, wonder, do you record all of these songs, uh, or do they exist just as performance? Most of them exist just as performance. Uh, I've probably recorded, uh, I don't know, maybe 80 to 100 songs. Um, and uh, my son was good enough on my 65th birthday. He uh, he put together a CD. Some of the stuff was recorded in the 70s. Some of it, yeah. Uh, and there, you know, there's some great people on there. Jimmy Hodder, who was the original drummer, and Steely Dan. Wow. He's on uh, one of those recordings. Um, and uh, um, uh, but he put together and, and some, you know, um, Fred Uzel the great Dobro player here in Kansas City is on some of them. So some of them are, are fairly recent. Um, but uh, but he put together a, a CD and balanced it all out and put, gave, gave me that for my 65th birthday. And so I, I make, I've made some copies and uh, um, you know, distributed those. So, you know, just I have a box where I just yeah. give them away pretty much. But uh, I, I would love one of those. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get personally. one to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So up I forgot there, what the question was. I think. Oh, I think it was if you recorded anything. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, uh, you know, in one sense or another, as, as a kid, our first band went into Universal Studios in Chicago, and recorded some stuff. But it, I've never been comfortable in a studio. Um, it, when, when I lived out in California, I went into gym, uh, to uh, Wally Hyder Studios in San Francisco, and you know, attempted to record some stuff. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't think I ever got many good takes. Mm. The best recordings I have of any of my stuff are live. Um, I performed with a, with a band uh, uh, in the last few years. I was living in Chicago called the Corner Boys. And uh, we made some live recordings. Um, I did a lot of live recordings with Marlon St. John. Um, I've, you know, I've got live recordings that go back to my first band. Um, and th those always seem to be the best recordings. Right. I don't know whether I tense up in a studio, whether my voice changes, what what it is, but I I'm all, I, I think I've always been best playing to an audience. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm happy I get to be a part of that audience. Uh, sometimes it, it's it's incredible. Um, up next we have a borrowed song from Chris Nichols called "Catch You Later," originally by Anonymous. Catch you later. I'll give you a call. I'll see you from time to time. Have a ball. I'll leave you some dreams to treasure like the knickknacks that hang on your walls growing older. I'll catch you later. Someone 
was a cover song from Chris Nichols called Catch You Later, originally by Anonymous. Chris, why don't you tell me a little bit about this song? Um, all I know is uh, it was written by my landlord's son. I was living uh, with a girlfriend in, in Northern California in the little town of Cloverdale, 100 miles north of San Francisco. Um, and uh, my landlord's son had written a couple of songs. And uh, had also been through a tough divorce. Yeah. And that was a song about that divorce, I think. Um, there's, only that, that, there's only a couple of friends who are still alive who'd remember his name, and I don't think they do either. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, he was a, an acquaintance. But the song, I remembered. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and started playing it regularly, um, and, uh, and did. For a while, for a time, when Marlon and I first got together, I was, we were playing it somewhat regularly. Um, yeah, but uh, but it's one of the few that I've ever included in in, in my performances that I didn't write. Um, but uh, but I've always loved it. I I just love the song. I, I I love a song that says simply what it wants to say. Yeah. And that does with a beautiful melody. So. So, so how did you how did you learn that if it's it's never been out there? Um, it just from sitting with him and and playing along with him, I think. Um, and uh, because the only recording that I've ever had of it was one that I made. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I must have just learned it sitting with him, um, or or possibly learned it from a mutual friend. Yeah. Uh, Rick, that, Rick Miller. That's a that's a wonderful. Uh, wonderful way to, to have a song with you is is that kind of pure, like, I've only heard this live and... Uh, yeah, and I'm all about live music. I mean, yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't buy CDs, for instance, unless I've just heard that artist. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, uh, well, it, you know, it, I think you have to buy an old car to even have a CD player in, in your car these days. <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. there's, um, nobody buys CDs, but... Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's all about live music. I, uh, I like, I enjoy going out to hear other people. I enjoy being 
being put together in uh, my favorite form of performance is probably the songwriting uh, circle. Mm -hmm. um, not only to, to see, but to, to experience myself, to, to perform in myself. Um, I've seen some great ones, you know, where, where John Hyatt, Lyle Lovett, and, and um, Whatever they've been teamed with, with a couple other great songwriters, you know, and, and, and they just go from one to the other, and it's a great show, um, and I, it's a fun way to put on a show. Yeah, um, you get to, and you get to meet some tremendous performers. Um, you don't always know the people that you're, that you're booked with. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's the venue putting together the show, and uh, um, heard a new songwriter last night at a show with the Rhino. Yeah. There's something about um, knowing the people who are making the music that, that you listen to and that you like, that you enjoy, uh, that that's become really special to me. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's yeah. that's really cool how you. And obviously, it. that's how how we met as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so what other media do you consume besides music, and and how does that kind of influence your songwriting voice? Um. I probably watch a little more news than I should. Right. Yeah. We but, all do. You know. Um, uh, it, you know. During the pandemic, I started watching too much news. Mm. You know, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I, I, you know, I uh, I enjoy movies. <clears throat> um, probably the last one I I watched was the uh, Peter Jackson uh, uh, Get Back. Oh yeah. The yeah. Beatles uh, documentary, which I just loved. You know, being a songwriter and, and, and going back to that era. Um, and it literally brought back the memory of being in, in uh, Dan Matthews' basement, uh, you know, and, and learning Get Back. We, you know, we, we just, everybody just heard it for the first time. It yeah. came out as a single, as I remember. And, uh, you know, anything the Beatles put out was, you know, was a thrill. Of course. So, you know, um, and, uh, and learning that song. But, uh, yeah, it... Uh, um, but I don't, uh, um, yeah, it's mostly movies, documentaries, and, uh, and a, is a diminishing amount of news. Yeah. Uh, what about, what about poetry and, and books? Uh, um, I, I don't read as much as I used to. I was a voracious reader as a child. I read anything I could get my hands on. And, you know, eventually I was, you know, I read all the encyclopedias and the dictionary. I couldn't find anything else. I I I, I, I read everything. I read Poe, Jack London, mm -hmm. um, w whatever I could get my hands on. Um, it, uh, and my my mother was you know I always had books of poetry around and uh, um, and yeah those that and that played into into music. But I don't read as much anymore. Um, I'll work my way through a book more slowly. Yeah. Um, I've got two dogs at home and. It seems that I can never. I mean, to you know, I'm right now. I'm reading. Um, uh, his, uh, what is it called? Uh, um, anyway, it's 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 a book on geology, and it's mm -hmm. 1,100 pages, and Pulitzer Prize-winning book. It's a great book, yeah. Um, especially for people who like to hike and enjoy, you know, enjoy uh, the national parks or whatever. But it's a. Uh, um, you know, when you have dogs, two dogs, you. You know, it's hard to sit down and get an hour right. to, work, to work your way through it. So I've been reading that same book for, I think, three months now. You know? mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I just, I don't, 
I don't read at the rate that I used to now. But, uh, uh, who do you look up to as a songwriter? Uh, who are your, some of your favorite musical artists that you are kind of influenced by? Oh, gosh. Uh, I've always enjoyed John Hyatt. Um, John Prine was probably my favorite writer. And, and I, it, it, just, it broke me up when he, when he passed. I, I, and, uh, um, and, and I try, I, I'm trying to write with more humor these days. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit in honor of him. But, uh, um, but uh, I also really admire, um, you know, the, the great American songwriters. Uh, Ned Washington um, was a lyricist um, who wrote The Nearness of You and uh, um, uh, a, a thousand other great songs. Um, and uh, um, yeah, those those guys who were writing those songs that my mom was listening to, you know, um, when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I I probably should have jostled my memory a little better, but uh, to remember some of their names. Yeah, it's but, okay. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, and uh, um, oh yeah, the Beatles were an influence. Um, and before that, I was listening to uh, the Beach Boys and uh, and um, uh, root, uh, um, the Four Seasons. You know, harmonies have always grabbed my ear. Mm -hmm. And uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash. Um, I went uh, from a, a rock band um, to to a band that had th uh, three acoustic guitars uh -huh. and uh, <laughs> and sang you know three part harmonies like Crosby, Stills and Nash. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. As far as influences go, <laughs> I, I've had I, I've had a lot of them. I grew up in a you know in the Chicago area, and and there were just a lot of influences around. Um, it, there were uh, there weren't as many jazz clubs open. There was really the Green Mill was the only jazz club that stayed open um, all those years that uh, that Kansas City had probably had three or four good jazz clubs open. There was only that one, and most nights you'd go in the Green Mill and there wasn't a crowd. Um, but uh, there was there were always uh, a lot of blues clubs, um, and uh, and during the eighties and in the late seventies there were a lot of good folk clubs, um, the Earl of Old Town, uh, someone else's troubles, and uh, uh, up and down Lincoln Avenue there was a whole a whole slew of them, and we you know, we tried to play all of them. You know. but, uh, yeah. So so what do you think makes a good song or a good songwriter? Um, well, to me, I, I, I like an interesting lyric. Um, not everybody does. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, growing up with Dylan, listening to Dylan, mm -hmm. you know, I, and, and, and guys like Curly Putnam, who could spin a great story in three minutes. Um, I, the lyrics were always important to me uh, because I, that's, that's a lot of what impressed me. Um, and, uh, and, you know, melody is just, you know, you either have a knack for melody or you don't, I guess. And, uh, you, you know, you, you pick the next note that sounds like it should come, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, and follow your ear and you usually, you know, you usually can wind up with a, an appropriate or a, <laughs> a, a gentle or nice melody. You know? All right. Up next, we have The Blues, a sad song from Chris Nichols called Away.
Yet the sun is still burning Yet the moon's still aglow Yet the world is still turning
sad song from Chris Nichols called Away. Chris, let's talk about sad songs a little bit. Do you find yourself writing a lot of sad songs? No. 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 Actually, that, that song I wrote uh, on the passing of a friend. And uh, the first verse, that's what the first verse was about. And um, the rest of it was just kind of stitched together from uh, lyrics that I had um, um, about other things. You know, I was literally grabbing scraps of paper to, to, and, and to finish that song. But, uh, um, but yeah, it was, uh, the first verse was, uh, was about the passing of a friend. And I, I, I think I shared with you earlier, I, I played that song live once. And yeah. the, the room was st so stone cold silent <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> it was suggested that maybe I, I shouldn't add that to my repertoire. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think I do think that that's I mean my goal as a songwriter is to get some reaction and that is like one of the, the deepest reactions you can get from a crowd is to just stun them. Uh, and so I think that says something about um, you know, your ability to, to craft that feeling and, and pass it on to the crowd. Well, they didn't walk out. They didn't walk out, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think it's, I think it's impressive <laughs> uh, to uh, be able to convey that so, so deeply. Um, well, that's one thing I've never been shy about, yeah. is, is, you know, pouring my feelings out in songs. Whether it was, uh, you know, I, I raised four kids. You, yeah. you go through some stuff. You know, I've been I'm in a wonderful 40-year marriage, but you know, you living life, you go through some stuff, and I, you know, I'm, I've never been shy about writing about it. A lot of that stuff doesn't never makes it to a stage because mm -hmm. it's it's you know, um, it, you know, it's it's it, you know, only your only your best friends want to sit there hearing your problems, quite frankly, and 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 they're not songs that I really enjoy playing out. Right. You know. Um, when I was uh, before I was married, I was writing some unrequited love songs that I, I think were pretty good, mm -hmm. and I still I'll still play those. Um, but uh, and every once in a while, I'll say, you know, here's a song I wrote 30 years ago, and then I'll, I'll be reminded that I've I've been married 40 <laughs> years, and so I actually right. wrote it 45 years ago. Yes. You know, <laughs> but yeah is is there a, a sort of release that comes when you uh write a song about a sensitive topic uh yeah i think for me it's it's cathartic uh, you know it's a uh, it's a way to get something that's troubling me behind me you know whether it's uh you know a, a song about uh, you know a mass shooting or uh, you know um uh, you know maria or uh um, or it was something that's sad that's happened in my my personal life, um, you know. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's uh, it's it's therapy. It's cathartic for me. Yeah. Uh, do you try and uh, like cultivate your set to to be more happy, to be more uplifting? Oh yeah. I mean, I you know there, like. As I said, that's that's a song. You know, you you had said play a, a sad song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, but that's a song I'd never I I never play out. Mm -hmm. um, and I you know I've got a, a stack of those, um, and that you know that's fine. Um, and every once in a while I'll I'll cannibalize 
a melody, you know, yeah. and and start a new song, um, or or whatever, or incorporate some element of of one of those songs that I never play out into something that I do. Um, but yeah, I, I I think a show generally needs to be fairly uplifting. You know, somebody would rather hear. You know, nobody wants to hear an entire show of unrequited love songs. Right. You know. Uh, you know. You want to hear you want to hear the guy got the girl eventually. <laughs> you know, I think you want to hear you know some some uplifting stuff, and I um, uh, I generally try and start a show with an up tempo song, um, but uh, um, usually if it's a smaller crowd, sometimes you know you just you want that quiet song that's going to draw them in. You know, but uh, but usually you're you're looking to quiet a room. A little bit, and you want something up tempo that catches an uh, you know an audience's attention. I think. Do you? Uh, I think it, it's really authentic that you have songs that you are writing just for yourself. Uh, is that is that kind of how you see it? That like this song's for me. I wrote it for me. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah. There there are some that you know I've still got the sheets of paper, but I'll, I know I'll never finish. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I sometimes I just needed to start to write them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. Do you but, see someday somebody going through your stuff years in the future and and picking through those and being like, "Oh, this is a great song," or um, I, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I you know, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I'm meeting a lot of young songwriters. Some of them are starting to do some of my material. You know, which is you know. Which is really, yeah, really nice. Uh, um, it's 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 rewarding to think that, you know, that they would want to. Yeah, what's that like? Uh, the first time you hear somebody playing your song. Oh, I, I you know, that's that really uh, it move as a songwriter. I think that moves you in a way that that few other things do. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I've walked into clubs and heard people doing doing my songs and it, really it's, it's exciting you know it doesn't happen often but it but it does and uh, um, um, yeah Dave Kunzweiler um, uh, um, I formed uh, the Corner Boys with Dave Kunzweiler and Michael Rothstein um, in uh, the North Chicago suburbs we were playing uh, out together for a few years and they wisely replaced me with a bass player because we were three <laughs> guitarists and we were playing some stages where it was it wouldn't hold three guitars. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, but uh, um, I, I remember walking into a club in Palatine, and uh, Dave was on stage doing a song <laughs> of mine, and, I, and he, he's such a marvelous guitarist, classically trained, you know, ma music major, and yeah. and a wonderful voice, and and uh, I, it just I was moved so moved, <laughs> but we <laughs> we wound up starting a band almost yeah. that night, but uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, It's nice. Yeah, I, I heard um, a rumor that somebody at the Rhino might be walking down the aisle to one of your songs. That's true. Cordian <laughs> is going to get married to uh, to uh, look up at the moon, I guess. Yeah, that that's incredible. Uh, do do people often like ask you if they can cover your songs, or or is it just kind of? Yeah, that? they they do, and I you know I, I I'm. Honored, yeah. quite frankly, and I'm, I'm glad that they do. And uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it'll be a song that I've played live, but I've never recorded, and so I'll wind up making a recording of it and singing it to them. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah. Or, or just sitting down and teaching the song to Really? Uh, occasion. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, um, that's really special. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you do that. And I want to start writing more with, with other writers. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm not alone in this. I think most people who write songs have a lot of stuff unfinished. You know, and, and some of it's some some of them are good ideas. Some of them are, are you know just little bits and pieces of stuff. But um, I, I'd like to start to do more collaborative songwriting, and uh, um, and enjoy you know working with other people and, and bouncing ideas around. Yeah, I, I think that I think that would be awesome. Uh, I'm uh, <clears throat> I, I look up to you as a songwriter, and I'm I'm happy that. Uh, other people recognize you as well as uh, somebody who's extremely talented and, and good at their craft. Yeah. Uh, so, Thank you, Jay. Yeah. Um, I, I usually try to end on, on a happier note, uh, and, and we've kind of drifted into some happier territory. Uh, oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, what's your happiest music memory? Oh, my God. Um, there have been so many. I mean, music has, has lit up my life in so many different ways. Um, I don't know. I, meeting Sinatra, meet, spending the day, spending Ringo Starr's 55th birthday with him, probably. Really? And it wasn't really a musical memory so much as, but on, on, the, on, the, um, on the ride back, I, he was going up for lunch at a, at a mutual friend's house. Uh, the friend's owned his treatment center, and Richard and his wife had been through treatment there. And I was introduced to him as Richard, Richard Starkey. Um, because in treatment, everybody goes by their first name. But uh, but um, I'd given him a ride up to the friend's house, and after lunch, um, Bill said to me, uh, "Did Richard? Did you tell Richard that you're a songwriter?" And I hadn't, you know, because I'm yeah. sure he gets sick of hearing that stuff, you know, uh, and, and being handed tapes or whatever. But on, on the way back down to his hotel downtown, he uh, he plugged in a cassette. That's how long ago it was. It was in ni- 1995. July seventh, his fifty fifth birthday, right of nineteen ninety five, and uh, um, he plugged in a cassette of, of some of my songs, and and one of my best musical moments was I was tilting the rearview mirror to try and get a glimpse of him <laughs> drumming on the armrest to a song that I had written when I was sixteen years oh old. Oh my gosh! Um, it was it was kind of, it was rather exciting, um, but very nice man, very nice people, uh, both he and his wife. Yeah, did you did you see him at Sinatra as well? Um, no, I just met Sinatra. I, I I was lucky enough to go to two of his parties. Oh, uh, my friend Bill O'Donnell was a good friend of his, and uh, um, in fact, I was at his wife's ninetieth birthday party uh, two wow. weeks two weeks ago. Bill passed away in uh, in nineteen ninety five, and uh, but I got to go to two of Sinatra's parties, uh, and uh, and at, at the second one, I actually met him. He, he came over and said, "Hi, you kid." Yeah. <laughs> I was 40 years old at the wow. time. He called me kid, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> of course. But, um, but yeah, but I, met, I got to meet him. I got to meet Tony Bennett. I, met, you know, I, I drove Mick Fleetwood around, um, uh, and uh, um, uh, oh, God, a lot of, lot of musicians, a lot of, um, wow. yeah, a lot of famous people, um, most yeah. of them very nice. A couple <laughs> awesome. of them not, but I'm most sure. of them very nice. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a fantastic story. I, you can partially pl- say you played with Ringo Starr. Well, Ringo Starr played with you, I guess. Yeah, yeah in a sense. In a sense. 
All right, Chris, uh, thank you so very much for coming on. It, it's been an absolute joy. Um, My I, pleasure. I'm My pleasure, so happy Jack. you made the time to come come chat with me and play me your songs. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Do you have anything on the internet that you like to promote? Any upcoming shows at all? No. No? No, absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, I've deliberately not booked much because uh, we've got some uh, family events coming up, some vacations, and... Uh, um, so I'm, I'm so much enjoying that part of my life. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I've got a couple of regular open mics that I like to go out to um, where I see friends. And, uh, and it's so nice to be back in that community and, and seeing friends again. You know, being able to watch people's lips move while they sing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, nothing, nothing really to promote um, except this podcast. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, if you want to see Chris, he's often at Song Lab on Tuesdays at the Rhino. Um, you can catch me there as well. Uh, Chris, again, thank you very much. Thank you, Jack. Howdy. Jack here. I just wanted to thank Chris again for joining me on this month's episode of Old, New, Borrowed, and Blues. When we finished recording, I told Chris, wow, what a life you've lived. He responded with, yeah, I guess I've just been in the right places at the right times, like when I met my wife. It was heartwarming to me that after all of this, Chris sees his love as one of his greatest accomplishments. As always, if you'd like to check out some of my music, you can find it on all the streaming platforms under my name, Jack Summers. You can also stay up to date on shows and other news by following me on Instagram at Jack Summers Music or subscribing to my mailing list at jacksummersmusic.com. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Old, New, Borrowed, and Blues, and keep on keeping on.